you don't own me. Booking a room with two beds at a hotel isn't exactly your idea of a romantic getaway. Orbitz gets it. Visit orbitz.com pride to find hotels that welcome you to travel as you are. Orbitz, travel as you are. Hi and welcome. This is another episode of I Wasn't Taught That, a show that explores experiences and life lessons that shape and empower us. Borrowing from everyday life and the people around us, we'll seek to highlight life's nuggets that we can learn from and build upon. I'm your host, Robin Kiplangat. Karibuni. I'm so excited to host our guest today, who is a husband, father, minister, and mentor to many. An ordained minister of the Nairobi Baptist Church, he came to know the Lord in high school and was thereafter discipled by staff from Campus Crusade for Christ. In 1990, he joined Campus Crusade for Christ ministry and six years later transitioned into the pastorate at Nairobi Baptist Church. He holds a first degree in economics and governance and a master's in Bible exposition and theology. He has served in the pastorate, relief and development for World Vision, microfinance banking at Faulu, done translation and publishing for Biblica, been in academia at Kabarak University and International Leadership University. He's done counseling, mediation, and in ministry to the deaf, shortened as DOOR International. God allowing him, he'll be launching three books this year to help undergird his discipleship and preaching ministry with transferable concepts. The titles are Wealth and Investments, A Journey Through Proverbs, Passing on the Baton Well, More Than Inheritance, and last but not least, Power and Leadership, The Three Principles of Israel. He and his wife Levina make their home in cool weather Nairobi, Kenya, with their two college-age sons, that's Timothy and Daudi. They all enjoy swimming, traveling, amateur star cooking, and what he describes as doubling in beginners' agriculture and real estate business. Their life purpose is discipleship. Let's welcome to the show. Munengi Mulandi. Welcome. So the topic for today is on fatherhood. Aha. This topic because uh, having recently gotten married and now that uh, got the news that we are expecting, I feel like uh, one of the things that would be expected or one of the expectations that will fall on my shoulders would be to be that parent that uh, the kid needs from me. Mm-hmm. So just a brief background on myself is, so I've been raised by a single uh, single parent. This is my mother. And the understanding of having a father figure for me has always been, uh, in a sense, like an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, context being that it's been from guardians like my uncles or uh, individuals that I've met here and there who acted as, or rather took that role of a father figure in my life. Mm. But essentially, I haven't worked with anyone or been brought up knowing that this is what a father ex- uh, this is what a father is or this is how a father acts. I have seen it, but hardly experienced it. So I feel like for me to move ahead, I needed to dive into this so that I can actually get to understand other people's experiences and what that has meant to them and in their life. Privilege today that we have you on board and to get us started. So I think you can share 
your personal experience, your childhood, and how you got here as a father and as a parent as well. Wow. Okay. Let me first say thanks very much for having me. Uh, I'm ex- I'm very new to media, so this is this is exciting um, to be able to do this, and it's been wonderful knowing you. I mean, I haven't known you for 15 years. But uh, it's been very interesting just getting to know you before the wedding and then the wedding and then you guys took off for far too long, the honeymoon, and then you came back and we connected again. And then the wonderful news that uh, you're a dad, that's congratulations. That's very wonderful. Thank you so much. You know, the amazing thing, Robin, is um, being a mother, uh, in you know just social language being a mother is when you give birth you know that's when motherhood you know begins although you're pregnant for nine months carrying the baby in when people talk generally you know motherhood is that but fatherhood you know when they say fathered a child it's from conception so you are already a father and um and i i think one of the things that i enjoyed most about um, my gen- in my journey of fatherhood was even before the kids were born, you know, we have two children, we have two sons, and before they were born, um, I enjoyed my roles as father. One was reading up everything, you know, I, I felt I needed catch up because uh, my wife knew what was happening to her, her body. So whenever we talking about things, me, I'm floating. So I decided to read mass myself to read. So that when we go to that office, I, I'm on top of things. I can ask intelligent questions or other kinds of questions to learn more. And, and so that's how my father, fatherhood uh, began. And also speaking to the children when, um, when they were still in the womb and, and being the first one to, to hold them because uh, they, they both came through natural means. So it was not theater. So I could, you know, if they came, I was, I was given to hold. I think I got such a headache because it was so, it was surreal. So I took, you know, Parador. Uh, two hours later, the headache was still on. I was given uh, ibuprofen. You know, three, four hours later, nothing. I was given something else. I think it was constant. It, it was, yeah, it was quite an experience. Uh, it's interesting. So uh, you've mentioned that you, you read up about fatherhood and stuff. So what kind of materials did you read and what do you find available to, to explore on such a topic? Okay, so my first one was born in 98. So I, I, I'm not tech savvy now, but imagine what I was in 1998. So it wasn't on the internet. Um, actually, a lot of my research was through mentors. So I would call my, my, my best man, I would camp at his house and just ask, you know, because I admired his relationship with his children and his wife. So I just come to Kwake and I would ask questions and he's, he's 10 years my senior, but he would answer all kinds of questions, you know, things I was afraid of, you know, uh, he was very open and um, I, I got I got very good answers. Then we we, ha- we had and still have a very good uh, gynecologist obstetrician who is now you know our family friend, and um, he had one of these clinics that you know the the queue to see him, as in we would take a day off just to see him. 
But then once you enter his, his consulting room, you would completely relax, you know, because he'd make you feel at home, you know, and answer all your questions, draw for you diagrams, explain for you. In fact, if I had six children, I'd also have gotten a degree in, in obstetrics and gynecology because I, I got to know everything. That's it. <laughs> Diploma, <laughs> because I have two kids. But uh, otherwise, as in the Masomo I went through. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one was born in 98, and your last born was born in? 2001. Ah, so this is a difference of four years. Three years. Three years, Three years actually. Yeah, yeah, yes. It's interesting. So, <laughs> so your main source was in mentors and reading up books yeah. and uh, family, um, brothers, cousins, uncles. Okay, so we are very close in family. Uh, we are six in my family of origin. I have two elder brothers and three elder sisters. Uh, but unfortunately, they are much older than me. So like there's, there's one who's, you know, like 13 years older than me, 10 years older, 11 years older than me. So I got a lot of information from them because they were eager. Um, I got a lot more baby stuff from them, you know, as in month two of pregnancy, uh, I, you know, one of my sisters would be here with, um, you know, baby clothes. And I'm like, it's month two. We don't even know whether it's a boy or a girl. And, and they're like, they wouldn't even know whether they're a boy or a, or a girl for a while. Keep these gifts, you know. So there's a lot of excitement in the family because I'm the baby of the house. I'm the last one. Um, and, and general questions were able to talk with my brothers and sisters, um, uh, especially my sisters, because my sisters, uh, I lived with my sisters. So they kind of brought me up. So this was like their grandchild coming. And so uh, there's a lot of a lot of discussion. With my brothers, we talked a lot more about the marriage ceremony, you know, what are we supposed to do? Um, you, you know, when we go to the girl's place, are you guys going to go with me? So we had a lot of discussion then. But then when we came to the children, now it was my sisters, um, it was my sisters who were really involved in that. Uh, we don't have a strong um, cousin network at my age, but at, at my siblings' age, they have strong cousin networks so that, you know, I didn't have access to any of that. But really, my mentor covered all the bases. Mm, that's, um, that's interesting. That's uh, interesting. So, um, so after your research and after all the advice, did it pan out to be what you expected? The parenthood and the fatherhood? Yeah, it was. It was. In fact, um, the, the gyno, I mean, I remember one time, we went into hospital and, um, you know, this thing of going into hospital too early, uh, three days before, as if pregnancy is a sickness, you know, he, you know, we're, we're guided and we were, we were well informed. So if there's no problem with pressure, if there is no problem with, you know, lack of baby movement, you know, the vitals, if all the vitals are okay, then you don't need to go to hospital too early, you know? And, and so, I remember for one of our births, we, we went in, in the morning and actually for, for both children and, and the nursing staff were talking in code, you know, and they would say, are we going to put Sint? And, you know, hoping that, you know, none of us would 
have an idea. Be I'm like, um, why don't we wait a minute before we, we do Sintosinol, which is you know one of one of the medicines they use for uh, as a catalyst for labor. Uh, there's a technical word for that, but it's been a while since I had a baby. I can't remember what, what the technical word is. Um, so and then and then one other time, I think for this that was the first bond. Then the second bond, they said, oh, you know, we should we should call in the doctor and find out. In fact, we should just go ahead and do an ARM. And they imagined I don't know what an ARM is. You know, artificial rupture of the membrane. That means her, her waters had not broken. And you know. I, I had learned those things and, and I, I knew. So we made decisions. Uh, of course, the medical people are the ones who make uh, the decisions, but I could be consulted, you know, I could be part of the conversation because I was informed. And, and that really is good fatherhood. Our own experiences, I think we've-, we've aha, gone... aha, aha. Sorry, yeah. let me take you back. <laughs> I've remembered the word. Yeah. Inducement. So syntocinol is used for inducing. And, um, you know, if you go to hospital... Might we presume that would be inducing labor? Yes. Oh, claps to my man. You know these things. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. No, no, I was just saying, uh, on our experience, so we went uh, on our initial trip. Getting there, that's when, when we saw the, um, the scans. But after that, that's when we started installing these apps left, right, and center on, on the progress. So doing part of our research, like a week-by-week -week analysis of what's happening to the child, what's happening to the mother, and some of the things to expect. Because for the first trimester, I could see she was having challenges, but it's hard to relate when it's, it's external. I think doing research was the best thing that we could also do for that. And some of the things that we were experiencing were also affirmed in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. There's a really, really good book that uh, I'm sure is on is you know is serialized on 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 uh, online you know articles. It's called What to Expect. So it's a series. So there's what to expect when you're pregnant and so on and so forth. Um, and I know we have you know we have several copies that my wife um, uses with the, the ladies she's working with. And, and that book helps you to anticipate so that when you go for the visit, um, you know which are, which, which are what milestones to expect and, and which ones are optional and what the ranges are, you know, when you should get worried, you know, if the child has not reached this milestone, um, you know, and things like that. So that's another nice book. What, uh, what to expect. We definitely will be on the lookout as we advance in this journey. Yeah. Enjoy the journey. One of the things that I, I think a good father does is that we try to schedule all our visits to the gyno. And I think for the 24 years of our marriage, my wife has never gone to the gynos alone. So, you know, I have, you know, by law, by Kenyan law, I have 21 days of leave every year. Um, um, but then you have off days here, off days there, you know, and because of my profession, we work on Sundays. So uh, Monday is free. And so we'll try to schedule them in a way that um, we would both be able to go for the, for, for the visit. And we actually made a date out of it, you know, 
would go, you know, you know how going to the gynos you go, you register your name and you're told you're number, you know, number 12. And that time you've gone at seven, you know, you can go and have a nice long breakfast together as a couple and then come back and you're just like three people from being called. And then you go in, see the guy, you know, uh, you spend a good time there, question answer. And then you go pick up whatever multivitamins you need or medication that you need or if it's an ultrasound needed. And then you go back to the office in the afternoon. But ours were, were really all day because you would, would wait for quite a while. And, and uh, so we just made dates out of them. And one of the things about, I mean, I know you asked me about fatherhood. A lot of fatherhood is loving the mother of the person that you're father to. That's a very integral part of fatherhood, of good fatherhood. Wow, that's really inspiring. And uh, on my own research, uh, part of the thing about your role as a man and in this experience of parenting is how integral your place is to the family's well-being. So when you say that part of the key thing is just loving the mother, I think it, it affirms that one of the things that I had gotten across when I was looking at that. Mm. I told you, Kombele. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just uh, just prepping when coming to speak with a pro like you. <laughs> so, and uh-huh. so beyond the pregnancy, so once the kids were born, how was that now the next phase of, so now that you've gone through the headaches and holding your baby and experienced the moments, so how was it between that and probably the first year or second year because one of the things that we've been informed about is that or rather one of the things that is told over and over is just enjoy your sleep for now and you'll look back to these days <laughs> um le- let me tell you one of the things that really helped us was having mentors because there's a lot you don't know and then there's a lot that you're told that is simply um, maybe not true or not necessary. And you're told by authoritative quarters that you can't question, you know, uh, the baby should be placed this way. The baby should sleep for this amount of hours. The baby should be fed this, you know. So having, having mentors, because now best man and best maid were with us, but also we had another couple that were also our mentors. We have a, a set of mentors. And so actually from the word go, we put our children on a program. And, you know, many people have many opinions about programs. And um, one of the things in my opinion is that programs are not really for the well-being of parents to be able to sleep. That's not the end goal. Um, It is to be able to give children sufficient time of sleeping and feeding. And so... As a father, I was able to um, join my wife, who was way ahead of me, to do those kind of uh, research to find out. And so uh, I can't say that we didn't sleep. Uh, We didn't, you know, for both our sons, we we didn't have sleepless nights. Now, children, somehow their sickness escalates in the night. And our children, both of them, had quite some challenges with um ENT issues, ear, throat, and nose. So a lot of flus, a lot of tonsillitis, a lot of so those kept us awake. But as long as they were they were healthy, they were fine. Um, but I remember, you know, those early years, even when we went on holiday, you know, there's no holiday would go to that we didn't need to see a doctor while we were on holiday, you know. 
and luckily, you know, where we, we went, we had access and our doctor, our pediatrician from Nairobi was so helpful, you know, they'll, they'll tell us for this one, I can prescribe for fab, for this one, I have a friend there, it's good for them to see and evaluate because I can't see up and we didn't have Zoom. So um, they'd be seen and, and that would be done. But uh, if I can also comment about the early days, um, uh, Robin, it was getting this feeling as a father that I know nothing. Despite the fact, you know, we've done all that research, we went through the pregnancy together. Somehow when the baby comes, you feel the mother is the expert, uh, but she also feels she's the expert. So, you know, she'd need to go somewhere, you know, to, to, to the shower or something, and I'd be left holding the baby, and she'd enter the bathroom and come out and, and say, I don't think you're holding the baby okay. <laughs> None of us went to school for holding the baby, you know. And, and sometimes it would be such a slight thing. You know, it's not one of those where the baby's neck is going to, you know, um, get numb or something, but, you know, suddenly uh, she becomes the expert and there's a sense in which of course she's spending a lot more time with the baby i think for our second baby we had paternity for the first one i'm not sure it was there but uh working for working for a sympathetic uh, boss meant that i got a few days to be able to you know bring them home and also you know spend some time with them and and so being a father was several things one uh, taking up duties just so that I can free her. So if she needs the, the baby to be, if it's time for bathing the baby, I was not confident to bathe them. I thought they would drown, you know, they'll slip from my hands, soapy water. But I would get the soap. I would make sure she wasn't using uh, a basin that is too low on the ground because her back had been ravaged by the labor. So I'd find a stool. Then I'd make sure there's some food for her. I'd make sure that you know, um, you know, if she she wants to take some some tea, some what, you know, uh, baby milk, this, that, and the other. So service, and then um, slowly I just began being involved. You know, whether it is burping, whether it is feeding, um, whether it is. Uh, I mean, I remember when they were very, when you know they were very young and they could go on a car seat. I don't remember what age that was. Um, I wouldn't know what to do with them in the house, you know. Um, so I'd put them in the car, in a car seat, and would, you know, drive, you know, for half an hour, stop for a change, you know, and I'd try and stop by my sister so she helps me change, and then drive another half hour, you know, and just enjoy. And, and I mean, 24 years later, we still enjoy driving as a family, you know. We just take off to... We don't know where. Mm. So those are the early days. That's what we did in the early days. <laughs> That's a nice way of, uh, it's a sneaky way of getting your kids cleaned up. And I'm, I'm impressed that it works. Well, I didn't know what to do. You know, I, I was just like, and you see, this is not diaper. Uh, uh, it's napkin time. So there's a safety pin involved. I, it was just, I was not confident. And and these guys would just do it without even looking, you know, and they'd continue a conversation. So, you know, I'd pass, I'd go Zura with them and then pass by my sisters. And then she she changes and then I, I Zura and then we come home. By the time we land home, 
Ooh. Yeah. He needed a change. <laughs> That's a card I'll keep close and hopefully use it sometime. So, Mr. Mula- so are you are you of the opinion that women are hardwired to be parents and fathers have to learn it? I would agree with that statement to a great extent because um, when we got married, none of us had any of those things. In fact, we were worried. We we're praying for the children. Oh, God, help these children. You know, Paka, where Peros are getting for you a house help who can now come and teach you guys what to do. But immediately you leave hospital, mother instincts just check in. Now, the father instincts that check in is this is somebody I have to work hard to feed. So, you know, my father instincts were working hard. But the mother instincts of, of nature just checked in for my wife, even her, she surprised herself. It's, uh, I think uh, it sort of shows even where we are right now, because I think I'm the one who's doing like a bulk of the research. Well, for like for my wife, her, her space is, I think she has a forum that just, she just pings a question and for every question she asks, she might have like 40, 50 response, which um, I'm happy for the community. <laughs> but uh, it's a, I think it's a good space, yeah. <laughs> yes. But unfortunately, as a guy, you don't have. Mm. That yeah. has been one of the biggest hurdles because you have to go out and speak one-on-one because even on most forums, chances are on parenthood, it's even on the apps themselves that we've been downloading, it's more oriented towards the mother yes. than the father yes. himself. Yes. Yeah. And then add our continental issues. And it's, 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 it's another beast now. Yeah, because um, who's the father? As, as in, when I, from what I've seen or what I've experienced in a sense, a father is that guy who's usually in and probably served food and he'll be out and then the life continues and then the next time you'll see him is when things are required in the house. And I think that's so conflicting to what um, my own experiences at the moment because one of the conversations we had with a few uh, with a few cousins last last holiday was the kind of father that you are and the kind of father that you've experienced. Because one simple thing that I also I don't know how I'll experience it or how I'll handle it is a simple thing like showing affection or I don't think we associate manhood with emotions and how because one of the things that you're asking ourselves is how for example in context would be my uncle is how does anyone see themselves getting hugged by our uncle because hugging your child is something that for me in this day and age is something that i would like to do and it's something that i see most people comfortable doing but it's not something i've seen it happening before yeah now that's that's the interesting thing so for me it's easier and i'll tell you why so dad was born in my dad was born in 1927 so it was very shocking the way he was a guy of uh, expressing emotions now it doesn't help that he had a paramilitary background and was serving in in the government as a civil servant 
you know, these uh, PCDC roles. And so most of the time he was in uniform. And most of the time he was in, you know, a baraza or a political meeting or something for the state. But the amount of emotion that he expressed you know, influenced all of us. So I have two. Amazon is offering sign-on bonuses up to $1,000. Plus, get up to $20 an hour for select roles. The best part? We're hiring near you. So start now to take home something greater. New, higher wages with a sign-on bonus, a range of real benefits, and career growth opportunities in a top-rated workplace. So earn more and see how great pay and sign-on bonuses can lead to a greater life for you. Go to Amazon.com apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. You don't own me. No one can tell you how to travel as you are. Orbitz wants to help you discover where you want to go, who you want to go with, and what you want to do when you get there. Visit orbits.com slash pride to book your next trip. Orbits, travel as you are. So just let me be myself to say and do whatever I Brothers whose background is military as well. And, you know, it's, it's hugs full time, you know? Um, my wife was making fun when we were newly married that, you know, you guys have breakfast, everybody goes to do what they're doing. Then when it's lunchtime, you guys hug like you've not seen each other for three months. So, so, so that was interesting. And it's, 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 that is expressed whether the gender is male or female, you know? So we hug our sisters and we hug each other's brothers, you know? Um, so when my sons came, it, I mean, I didn't say I tried to hug them. It was just, it just flowed because that culture had been done uh, for us. And even expressing um, emotions to, uh, to mom, you know, dad, dad would, uh, would not even wait for there to be music. He would just, and, and my mom is extremely conservative. He would take her hand and begin dancing with her on the corridor. And, and mom is like, now what, what is this? And you know, he'd be totally unmoved. And he'd dance to, with her, you know, to the beat of the music in his head. And she, she just got used to it. So we, we grew up seeing uh, affection and emotions being expressed. So that became natural. And then when I, when I became a Christian, I, I realized a lot is not a Mulandi, you know, um, value or culture. The Bible says, love each other deeply you know um so 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 you know i was, I was encouraging that's continued um in, in in my relationship with my son i can't wait for daughters-in-law <laughs> i think i'll be curious to see how that works out <laughs> yeah I think another thing when you mentioned our own context would be the aspect of should i say fatherlessness if there's such a term or the single parenthood where like should i say my generation or my peers at the moment there's so many men and ladies who are keen to raise kids on their own and neglecting the space where uh, both parents play a role in a sense we, we cannot give a blanket condemnation but we can give a blanket call to responsibility. Let me see, let me tell you what I mean. Sometimes uh, 
being a father in a nuclear family is not something that we always have a choice about. Uh, for example, I was raised by the kind of father you're hearing me talk about, but he died when I was 12. So I grew up in my teenagehood and the rest of my life without a father, you know, it wasn't his choice. So I know some people who are growing up with a father in the house, but he's incapacitated by disease or an accident. So most of the time he's in, you know, the bedroom. Some of them are in a coma. Some of them are so physically limited that they cannot participate as a father. There are others who, are, you know, have chosen to walk away um, and sometimes even gone and gotten other families and completely neglected um, uh, these children. Others are, have been chased away, you know, by, you know, uh, the other parent who doesn't want to see them. And, and so there are so many ways in which children end up being in a fatherless situation. There are those who uh, make economic choices. I'm not saying they are right, but they make economic choices. I'm going to go and look for work and work is, you know, 200, 300, 500 kilometers away, even abroad in Europe or in the US or in Dubai. And that leaves a fatherless child, you know? So there are all kinds of ways um, children become fatherless. I mean, you do know of those fathers who live with their children, but the children are fatherless because um, the, the, the father is such a, a tyrant or is so withdrawn, either of those two, that the children never experience a father because when he comes, he's totally drunk, or when he comes, he's completely withdrawn, goes to the room, reads his newspaper, you know, no involvement at all. So there are all kinds of ways that children live in fatherless situations. Some of them, you, you know, uh, unfortunate, some of them deliberate, some of them forced on them by the other spouse, but we all have a responsibility. You see, even, those who die have a responsibility. And let me tell you, let me give you an example. See, once you have a child, you don't have a guarantee that you'll be there for that child's wedding, which is a very important stage in their life, or that you'll be there for all that they'll be going through. There's no guarantee. You can die, you can become incapacitated, but a few years lived in such a way that, let me suggest one or two ways, that one, they would so admire what they had with you, that when a father figure comes around, they can quickly link up with them because it reminds them of the good that they experienced. Or did they experience such withdrawal, such distance, that any man that comes near them, they are wary, they are scared, they want distance. And then secondly, did you bring them up in a community? You know, uh, the things is that I am my children's father. I, I do not play around with the responsibility of being their dad, I try. But I realize I am not immortal, you know? I, I can die anytime, I can get sick anytime. So I bring them up with several men whose values are similar to mine and whose commitment to Christ is, is, is similar to mine. And so you bring them up in a community of men, but you don't, you don't shuck your responsibilities to be shared by them. You know, I've, I've seen several groups where we're bringing up our boys together and, and really um, you're not carrying your own weight. No, my boys are mine. There's, there's no co-parenting there. I am, I'm their dad, I'm their parent, you know? 
but I expose them to men whose, whose, whose values are similar so that those men influence them when I'm absent, when I'm incapacitated, or when we have a relational, you know, there's a time there in teenagehood where they, they think suddenly their father is not as wise or they want to consult on something that they feel is too sensitive uh, to talk to dad about. Then they have these younger dads, you know, what before was our uncle system, which, you know, unfortunately uh, doesn't work as well now because those uncles may not have similar values or there might be family competition, etc. But there are these Christian, you know, uncles, you know, quote unquote, not brothers to dad or brothers to mom who can then be able to come in. So I think we need to take responsibility for providing fathers for our children first by ourselves. And secondly, if we are not there, um, by the environment we create and by the quorum that, that um, provide. Wow, that's powerful. <laughs> I think it, it goes into um, insisting on the kind of, would I say the band of friends or band of brothers that I get to walk around determines that as well. And some, one of the things that I came across would be that some of these men are those who had poor relationships with their own dad. Um, so in, in essence, they're making this problem a recurrent one across generations. Or the other instance would be their own experience with their own father was a negative one in, in, in a way because probably it lacked warmth or they didn't feel that love or uh, simply you mentioned something about spending time with them. So I think it lacking it, I also think is something that also contributes to that fatherlessness yes. in its own way. You know, I'll be honest with you, Robin, um, breaking the cycle is as difficult as keeping the chain, in, in my opinion. Um, you see, something very magical happened about how dad brought us up. And it makes it easy for me, for example, to, to, to express affection to my children, public display of emotions, you know, et cetera. But I still have to do deliberate things because between a father and a son, love is spelled T-I-M-E. That's, that's how love is spelled, T-I-M-E. And I remember, you know, we grew up in Kericho and um, dad used to have to, to give barazas and things like that. So mom stayed at the farm, um, which was, you know, in Earth River and dad, uh, you know, worked at the provincial, I mean, at the district headquarters in Kericho. And so I lived with dad. I went to school in the morning and we had, uh, he had put fantastic domestic, um, you know, staff to take care of me, everything. But I remember, uh, you know, during holidays, of course, now I'd hook up with mom. But I'd remember I would go with many instructions, okay? Now I'm going to go, I'm going to be addressing this meeting and I want you to sit very calmly. You sit there, let me do my work. And then once I finish my work, we're going to do A, B, C, D. Eh, let me tell you, a GK Land Rover ride was my highlight of the day. So I would sit quietly until those speeches are done, you know, and then he would come and he would keep his promise, you know. As long as this happened, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to address this nini, but then, you know, the car will come and pick you or something like that, you know, then we'll come. And, and really seeing my dad behind a microphone is what inspired me today. And, and I'm not a civil servant. 
I'm not a county commissioner or aspiring to be one. I, I don't know, uh, Kip, if you've ever seen me behind a microphone. I love a microphone. And, and, and when they don't give me one with a stand, I, I feel like, no, you of course heard me. Even if you're giving me a lapel mic, there needs to be a mic. Because, because it's just so my dad, you know? And that was T-I-M-E. And the other thing my dad would been in boarding school since I was nine. So he, he, he picked me from school, put me on a flight, and then he, he drove the next day. And then on the other, on the other side of Mombasa, I was received by his, you know, friends, you know, business associates, Nene. And, but it was so deep. I remember it today. And, and we're talking, oh, is that maybe 79, uh, 80 at most? Um, because I was in primary, you know, at that time. So, and I've tried to do the same with, 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 with my children, you know. I picked my children from school. We had a facility where a driver could pick them on Thursday, but Tuesday I picked them. And I wouldn't even pick them with a driver. I'd pick them myself alone. Because it's amazing when you pick your children, once you lock the door, the kind of conversations you have. And so, you know, I, I walked my way to work on Tuesdays, um, you know, so I would go to the school, find a bench somewhere in the school compound and, and work uh, remotely from there until the school bell rings. And then, they would, you know, my son would come with all his 70 friends, you know, meet my dad, meet my dad, Nini, and then we go and take the ride in the jump together all the way home, you know. And when we got home, uh, he disappeared in his room to do homework, and I would have another two hours of being in you know. But you have to create time. That's really, really amazing of you for you setting a precedence of what they'll get to define as a father, as a man, and the kind of relationship that most likely they'll strive to have with their own kids. Well, I've not succeeded in everything. I'll, I'll be honest about that. Um, and it's not that they've not been disappointed in me many times. Are you comfortable to share any of such disappointment? Yeah, so, I mean, I've failed in, in many ways. And one of the, the times I really felt like a failure was, um, you know, we had this culture where every midterm we would take a ride together. Like many of you know, you know, pastoral jobs don't pay very well, but uh, we had very good benefits. And at this particular time, uh, fewer benefits. And so I remember driving with them, would, would drive, you know, into we don't know where, and stop only when the fuel tank is just above half, spend the night and then come back uh, the next day. So we ended up one time in Lake Nakuru National Park. And so we're driving around and we, we meet, uh, you know, a team of tour guides and tour drivers and we intercept their com communication and realize their lions right ahead. So of course we join the rush to go and see the lions. You know, we had been seeing, you know, plenty much of the normal things that you see in a national park, but we hadn't seen anything exciting like lions. So we get there and one of, one of the vans overtakes me and then stops and says, you better turn back because this car of yours is very small and very low. Uh, the clearance is very low and it's not four wheel drive. The place where the lions are is true. You've intercepted the right information. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit muddy and there are a few rocks. Your car will not make it. So just turn and right where we came from on the other side, 
you'll find some, you know, some, some tall elephant grass and some warthogs, and you may even be able to see some buffaloes. And I remember my sons were so heartbroken and, you know, especially the, the little one, you know, asked me a question to the tune of how come we don't have a car that can go there? And, you know, children don't always know that these things are, are not just picked from the shop. So anyway, long story short, we are dejected and, you know, we're driving now looking at tall elephant grass and warthogs and impala and, you know, they're God's creation, but we really want to see lions. Until we get to a place where um, we see this lioness with about five or six of her cubs and we're like, whoa, this is exciting. We want to see one lion. Here's a whole lioness with her, her, her cubs. So we turn. And when we turn, now to see her properly, you know, um, and, and my son's window was rolled down. I look just outside his window and, and less than one and a half meters, the, the, the full COVID social distancing is where the male lion was, full mane. So in a panic, you know, I don't alert anybody in the, in the car. Thank God for automatic windows, even on small non-four-wheel drive cars. I, I raise his window. I, I lock the car again, you know, thanks for central locking, although I'm not sure was, but anyway, I locked it and I say, hey, guys, Daudi, just look out of your window. And it was right there. Oh, my son became charismatic. Oh, hallelujah. God is so good, even without a full drive car. Anyway, it was, it was such a praise item for us as a family. Well, as the guys in the family, where they saw the inadequacies of their dad but the adequacies, the super adequacies of God, you know. Um, so, so God has done that for several things, you know, uh, in our lives. There's a time our house was completely destroyed by floods, and one of them was even partially carried away by the floods, but was able to be rescued by his brother. Um, but then they saw God. So I've been a father to them, and and, and they love and respect me, but... Um, they have fallen in love with the God who is the real spine of my fatherhood and their real father, you know. So, so that's that's been an interesting journey, and I I hope it'll it'll cascade to them with with my grandchildren that they'll seek to be good fathers, but that they'll they'll realize it's not a competition, it's not, not comparison, it's yielding to God. He is the father, and he's the one who teaches fathers how to father. And his who covers where fathers cannot, because fathers are human, you know, we, we have moods. Um, I remember going through a deep time of midlife crisis and, you know, I did go and stay in Chags when I was going through my depression. I was here in the house and they saw my weakness, but were able to see the strength of God. Anyway, so those are just some of the stories. Yeah, you're such a fun dad to be with. If, if you can literally just drive until you get a half gauge. <laughs> That's quite the experience. Ah, uh, it's nice that you've shared, and we also um, you've also highlighted something that we have covered in terms of the place of faith in fatherhood and parenting. And as you put it, I think it's it's quite clear um, that you reliance on God to shape and mold and direct you in places that you fall short. Thanks for sharing that. So it's really fun, as in getting all these insights from you. So. <laughs> Yeah, but we must do a part two because I haven't told you about um, when one of my kids was chased from school for school fees in Snad 4. And, and then, uh, I mean, just 
them experiencing a father when he's broke, then my experiences when one was uh, was sick for a good part of a year uh, and was in hospital, had surgery, and nothing is being found. Um, those have been very interesting times of of, of fatherhood, but. Um, I need to serve them some dinner now. Although they are adults now, they can serve themselves dinner. I think this throws us to um, another thing I'd like to highlight. Uh, this being that part of uh, reactionary parenting, in a sense where we overcompensate on something that we lack. So this all this is done in an effort to pay for whatever trauma you suffered. So and in an essence, it also becomes an overcompensation in how you also parent. So um, that too, I think, is an avenue that uh, when we're talking about what anyone can do, because you mentioned about how it's it's tough to break the chain as, as, as it is difficult to keep it. I think also, I think as humans, there's that tendency to try and avoid that which caused you pain but then in in some instances that becomes the very thing that someone needs like for example i don't know if you've had instances where your kid was struggling on something probably the answer was quite right on their face but they need to experience some of this i don't know if it's something that you've gotten to experience uh, you know somehow god allows all those experiences and makes you, you know, reliant on him. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure I have, you know, all the experiences, you know, in terms of 360. But something close to that is when my sons began displaying um, their individuality and their independence. That was a very tough time um, in our relationship, and it began by, you know my desire for them to do well in economics and business studies. And I remember one of them after getting an A in business studies uh, in O-levels, choosing not to want anything to do with business studies in, in A-levels. And that was hard for me. I couldn't believe as in how, you know? And you see, one, one of the things that I was trying to compensate, you know, just to, to show you how relevant it is to this, and, and I can think of all the challenges I've had in my life with, you know, finances and, and so on and so forth. Um, and I thought, if you do business studies, whatever you do for a second degree, at least you know how to manage resources, you know issues of investment, you know. So I was trying to compensate for them not to go through the pains that I went through. But this guy would have none of it. You know, and then realizing I was not bringing up children for myself, but bringing them up in, in their, with their own bends, you know. See, I was trying to curl them to, to bend how I would bend, and yet they had their unique bends, how God has created them. You know, about Ephesians 2.10, we are, you know, God's work in Christ for good works that we may individually walk in, but I wanted them to, to walk, you know, close to my style. And so, yeah, that's that's uh, that that was my experience in that particular area, and and they've blossomed in their own in their own areas. You know, all four of us minister church, but we minister very differently. You know, and there are times I've wanted to protect them from um, from from certain things happening to them, but um, they they want to experience it, and I have to allow them now. 
there are things that they have allowed me to help them not to experience, you know. I, I grew up, you know, abusing alcohol and drugs. And because of my sharing with them, I have been extra careful to, you know, to explain and to expose them to, to teaching that will help them to overcome those kind of peer pressures and temptations. Um, but have to trust God and, and even trust them and leave them, you know, because they don't belong to me. Remember, um, it's not me who causes children to be knit in their mother's womb. I, I have a responsibility, I have a role, but really, if God doesn't, I can do nothing. And, and that has been a constant reminder for me now in their 20s, just to leave everything to God. Thank you. Thank you so much. So It's called surrender. <laughs> Just to close us off, any thoughts or any happy or most rewarding moments that, you, that you've recently experienced as a parent or as a father that you can share with us? Just yesterday was my eldest son's birthday. And we have a tradition where we, um, we have cake. We try not to make it elaborate in terms of parties and things like that, and COVID has helped. But throughout their lives, we we just cook and cut a cake. So, and then we each give a speech. And there was so much joy as each of us shared um, about, you know, this, this son of mine. And then just hearing um, the two brothers talking to each other, it just gave me so much joy because they were saying, you know, um, for us, we didn't know we'd be born brothers. That happens by chance. When you have a 19-year-old and a 22-year-old sharing that from the bottom of their hearts and two people who are extremely different, I mean, they're different in what they like in music, what they like in sports, what they like, you know, but loving each other that way, that was such a highlight. Um, and there's just stuff that they do that I don't deserve. Like on Father's Day, they'll do something. Um, but even mundane things like um, I'm extra lazy, so I love being served water to drink. And these are old people. They just serve water to drink at dinner time. Uh, sometimes I need the cars moved, you know. And that initial excitement of, can I move your car for you? It ended in my house. It's just, it's a blessing. And then... The thing that makes me cry is when one is at their drums in church and the other is lead vocalist and they're singing a song, they're lost in worship. And I say, that God has been, I don't deserve this, but I'm happy. And I give him glory. Melandi, you're a blessed man. And thanks for the advice, the wisdom that you've shared with us. So probably this is where I'd say, in case there's anything else you'd like to add on, before we close? Well, you haven't had the grace that God has given me in my spiritual children. My spiritual sons are just another story. We need a whole broadcast for that one. I mean, they have blessed me beyond. Several years ago when I turned 40, um, they put together a documentary and some of them are spiritually uh, adopted sons, others are socially adopted sons. Uh, you know, I just you know, just call me dad, you know, and uh, there's no name I like my dad. I, you know, people ask me, uh, somebody asked me the other day, how do I introduce you um, on this, you know, media event? Uh, which title do I give you? You know, my favorite title is dad. Capital D for my biological ones, 
uh, lowercase d for uh, the others because I respect their biological dads, whether they're present or absent, and I'm not usurping their role. So I come in as a small d, but my my other sons um, have also brought me much pleasure, and and um, and I've seen God move in that in being a dad in in that very complex uh, situation because they're much older and um, and that you know adoption process in terms of social adoption spiritual adoption you know it's it's not always very easy it's easier for somebody who has been born in your house but uh i have seen wonderful results but thanks for the opportunity again i've enjoyed this yeah it's been it's been great it's been amazing thank you so much thank you for joining us this week on i wasn't taught that podcast if you found value in this show simply tell a friend or family about the show that would help us reach out further We'd love you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or really wherever you get your podcast. Till next time, stay blessed. Whether you're kicking it in the sticks or kicking it at home, lounge in upholstery with a contemporary feel designed for relaxed living with the Brantley Gilbert Collection at Morris Home. Enter online at morrisathome.com slash win for your chance to win a guitar personally autographed by Brantley Gilbert or one of many Morris Home gift cards to upgrade your home today. That's morrisathome.com slash win for your chance to win from Morris Home. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer. Restrictions apply.